Welcome everybody to the Mando Fan Show. We are live. Thank you for joining us here on the Resistance Broadcast YouTube channel. Uh, if you are not subscribed yet, make sure you do. We just started this channel a few months ago. Uh, so if you're watching, hopefully just hit the button. And if you're listening on audio thereafter, uh, head over to youtube.com slash at the Resistance Broadcast and subscribe to the channel for notifications on these videos and all the other stuff we're doing over here but most of all just thank you for joining us on this wonderful episode uh i'm john james and Lacey with me as always and our guest our good friend who's been on the show several times he uh was last on the mando fan show for chapter four of the book of boba fett i believe uh you know him from fanta tracks a wonderful star wars news website and starwars.com star wars insider and also he helps make things work at star wars celebration welcome back rise and shine mark newbold what's up buddy Hello, hello. How are you? I've I've gone for the mood lighting to donate how <laughs> how early it is. Um, it's just all about atmosphere, isn't it, sir? So, yes. It is. Yes. Uh, I mean, there are some dark moments in this season of The Mandalorian, so you're just sort of like setting that vibe, uh, which I appreciate, Mark. Totally. It's all all about vibe, definitely. Yes. Um, <laughs> now we're going to get into the episode. So uh, first and foremost, thanks to everybody who is joining us live in the live chat. We appreciate it very much. Uh, just so you know. Uh, we get a lot of comments in here, but if you want your comment to be read on the show and reacted to by us, we do have super, uh, super chats available that will uh, launch you right up to the top of the list. Um, and of course, just sit back and have a good time. Mark, before we get into the show, uh, for anybody who doesn't know where they can find the site, you, everything you got going on, uh, let them know where your pods are, all that stuff. Uh, best place, fanthatracks.com. So that's the website, uh, hub of all things Fanthatracks. We've got social media, obviously, all the different social media things. Uh, we've got a YouTube channel and uh, website, uh, podcast rather, as well. So we've got to, in fact, we, we launched a new podcast yesterday, which you would barely know because it was only two minutes long. It was only the trailer for it. But, but yeah, <laughs> so we've got all sorts of, all sorts of different stuff going on. So fanthatracks.com, uh, it's fanthatracks at all the socials. And, uh, and I'm usually on Twitter causing trouble, uh, prefect underscore timing. Um, but, and, and Star Wars Insider, of course. So that's, uh, that's a rather good thing to, to have a read of if you're a Star Wars fan. Excellent. Yeah. And you, you're going to be podcasting at Celebration, right? With Making Tracks? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Very fortunate. We've got, uh, we've, as I say, we've got a number of uh, podcasts and we've ended up with uh five of them are involved at celebration in various forms or fashion so we've been very lucky and the bribes oh. never go through that smoothly so i just can't believe we've managed to put it out yeah so yeah so all all good and it's it's only a week away i mean it's what day is it for you at the moment it is Wednesday. Wednesday. Time travel is Thursday for me. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's a week it's, it's a week tomorrow actually Till celebration starts. And it's my birthday tomorrow as well. So, but that's happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday, well, happy birthday. Is it your birthday on Wednesday or Thursday? Thursday Friday. 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 <laughs> me and you and McGregor. So, Ooh. oh, you, you're meeting you and McGregor? No, me and you and McGregor. Oh, you and you and McGregor. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping to meet him next week and I'm expecting him to remember and buy me a pint or something, but he never does. <laughs> so. That would be amazing. Uh, let yeah, me know. I'd love, to, I'd love to watch you guys from the other side of the bar. <laughs> <laughs> what do you serve <laughs> yeah. um okay 
And uh, thank you to uh, all of our patrons who support TRB for making this show possible and everything that we're doing and going to be doing at Celebration. Um, so if you haven't yet, at least check it out, patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Our tiers start at just $5 for access to all the additional content we do. Um, and more importantly, we're just thankful for any annual support you're able to provide to us. Uh, but now it's time to get on with the show. Uh, we start this thing off by sort of getting easing into it by rating the episode on what we call the Pedro Pascal face scale. Now, when we started this, uh, Pedro's face wasn't as popular as it is now because now he's uh, he's gifts, he's memes, he's everything that's going on viral, uh, whether it's with Nicolas Cage and Mama Cass or him eating a cracker or grilled cheese. <laughs> Pedro's face is everywhere. But we're going to see a lot of them in just a minute because what we do is we rate the episodes 0 to 10. Now, this is Chapter 21, The Pirate, written by John Favreau and directed by Peter Ramsey, who, in my opinion, did a stellar job on this wow. episode. Uh, so we're going to rate this thing 0 to 10. Halves are allowed, and we'll give our score, and then we'll check in with our patrons and see what they scored this. But, James, you drew the straw first this week. What did you give Chapter 21, The Pirate? I give it a nine highest so far this season. Um, I think this was a, a near perfect episode just because there were everything that I want to see, like it had good storyline. It had good action it good, it had good pacing. It had uh, reveals in multiple ways. It was just all around uh, surprise after surprise. Uh, and I was just happy the whole time. And if it was an ice cream sundae, the cherry on the top was that my, one of my predictions was right too. But I also think one of my predictions was wrong. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we'll, get there, we'll get there as that happens. Yeah, yeah as that happens. Goes, yeah, a nine is a stellar score, and I have a feeling that that's going to be a theme going forward here. Um, Mark, we're going to pass it over to you. What did you give Chapter Twenty One? I gave it because I can do half scores. I gave it eight and a half for me. Mm -hmm. Great score. Yes. Yeah. Now, was this your favorite episode so far this season? Of season three so far, yeah. Yeah, I, not that I think there's been anything other than good episodes. There's been unexpected episodes um, yes. and intriguing episodes and fun and, and enjoyable and all the other stuff. Um, but this one really was, like uh, like James said, it sort of had a little bit of everything. The action was amazing. The visuals were, were stunning. Yes. Uh, the music yeah. stood out as well, really interesting. Right. Yeah. Just everything about it was tip top and uh, yeah like you say left left me in a good place yeah I, and i'm following that up i'm gonna copy what you have there 8.5 for me as well um my favorite episode of the season so far and i think you put it great and i think that something about that time of the episode I feel like sometimes when it's the 33 minutes i'm like ooh, that went by too quick and sometimes if it's 58 to an hour i'm like all right. All right. But that 40 something minute, you know, to 50 minute seems like perfect. And the way they loaded this thing up, even little subtle nuances, like you're saying about the music or some background stuff. It's just, it's such a loaded episode that you can't just watch this one once. Whereas some others, I feel like you can uh, just well done by Peter Ramsey. And, you know, we know he has a track record of success. So if his name came up for bigger things, I would not be disappointed. I'll just leave it at that. Um, all right. So big scores. So pressure's on, Lacey. Where'd you give uh, chapter 21? I gave chapter 21 nine big Carson Tava faces. Carson Tava faces? James is like, I don't have that graphic. <laughs> uh -uh. Or should I say Bo-Katan faces? Because we all know what happened. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't Pedro yeah. Pascal. 
Sorry, James. I don't mean to make James like come on. Panicking. <laughs> I, I'm I'm changing it now. <laughs> yeah. well, I've never, Pedro I've there, never seen James sweat before, so this will be unusual for me. I've never seen him in a blue and panic sweating in front of an audience. I, I can't wait to see what happens. That is Mark's go-to roast of James. That is, yeah. that is it's his lovely I, bit that he has ongoing with James for what is it yeah. four years now. It's the all these things are so crazy because that first one was was nuts. It was our first and all that and then the second one we did was like on our own so i was like it just has to fall on me a hundred percent so i was yeah. like sweating to the second one anyway and now yeah this, now episode, this year james James will, like, he's been panicking for three weeks yeah. he's like yeah. i'm panicking uh, now so i don't have to panic then there you that's go fair, that's fair all right what's our, well, what's our wait score? hold on so, i didn't give my explanation oh yeah go ahead Lisa. yeah so i thought this episode was pure star wars to me everything about it screamed star wars it was a blast to watch from beginning to end and i find that my ratings are based on how much i'm smiling and i smiled this entire episode so that's yeah. why i gave it a nine my nine. Favorite smiles this the whole episode yeah um it this seems to be what a lot of people are saying too i didn't see too many people saying they dislike this episode so i expected a great score and we got one james we're locking this one in at an 8.75 look at look all at those pedro faces on the screen if you're watching on youtube if you're listening on audio this is one of those situations where you may want to hop over to the video to see how much pedro is on the that screen scores uh, off. that's 7.7 that's yeah he, he's we're missing a full head <laughs> Jay, let the sweating begin. <laughs> Do you, you know what else is you know what else is funny about this too? Is that when I was doing it, I was like, I counted through, and then I was like, Yeah, that's right. And then I was like, I was moving it down, and I was like, weird, we had a lower score this week than last week. <laughs> but in the in the uh you know, sometimes you don't change things for the special edition, right? Sometimes you leave yeah. the things in there, and we're going to leave that By in the there way, for now. Aaron but... asks me in the comments, Lacey, what would make, a t- make it a 10? Uh, Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Another head? <laughs> Another yeah. head. Yeah, or a hand. Um, all right. This well, let's same. check in and see what our patrons Oh, wait till you this see one. this. Here it comes. <laughs> Give it an 8.8. <laughs> Watch this. Boop. <laughs> oh, my God. James. Is making the graphics. All right, that is uh, yeah. Maybe you just add in a Paul Carson Tava head just to make it right. Yeah, (laughs) or just write if you have a tablet. Just draw Pedro's face and uh, (laughs) do not bill us for destroying your tablet or phone. Uh, But high scores: eight point seven five for us, eight point eight for patrons. And let's check in with a couple of comments. Uh, the first one came in from Matt Ham, who said nine Pedro faces for me. I loved it. All the feels so good seeing Zeb in live action. Yes. Uh, would have loved to have seen James's face, uh, when that dropped, me uh, too. At first, me too. I was like, Oh no, not space pirates again. Especially when I heard the Mando theme crossed with a sea shanty vibe, but quickly came <laughs> around to it and ended up loving it. So James, can you replicate what your face was when you saw Zeb on screen for our video watchers? Okay, so for our audio listeners, James that. is ferociously punching the air with both fists yeah. in excitement. I, uh, we waited for down. James watched this episode the last 
of us, Pedro, pun intended, the last of the group. So when John and I were talking about it, I had to delete all our comments very quickly. And I said to James, I was like, James, I'm waiting on your reaction. Because when I saw this episode, I was like, this episode was made for James. (laughs) Mm. They went into James' brain. All it was missing was the Perkles. It would have been a good time to be a rebel. We already got them. I know. I mean, they could have dropped a lot that would have been like sure. absolutely perfect but yeah 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 but they could have had that's just chopper, this, is, uh, this is what we need yeah chopper slinging drinks at the uh <laughs> yeah adult base um, i was thinking right. about that because i was like he technically i was like oh zeb is the uh first rebels character to make it to live action and then i was like actually no he's not <laughs> yeah um, all right. Our next comment was from Derek Smith, who said, also, nine Pedros, many standout moments, but seeing Zeb was amazing. Are Delphi Rangers going to be the previously announced Rangers of the New Republic? I think that's a big question everyone's asking. Ooh. We will get to that and talk about that, I'm sure. Uh, he said, I hope so. Zeb has the muscles instead of Cara Dune. Is, that's fine by me. Navarro scenes were excellent. I hope Gorian was in an escape pod. Me too. Bo and the armors had a great scene. I'm loving where they're going with this. Finally, Gideon being sprung by Mandalorians, or are they being framed by whoever bombed Bo's castle? So much to unpack. Yes, and we're going to do our best to do that. Um, But before we get to our chat about this episode, we do have a super chat, so we're going to see what they had to say. Right, Lacey? Yes. Uh, So the super chat that we have currently, James, do you mind bringing down that Patreon score? Absolutely. Thank you all so much. Um, uh, right there. Aaron, thank you so much for the super chat. We truly appreciate it. He said, this was one of my favorite episodes of all three seasons. This proves that this show does not need to lean on Grogu. This episode was great, but it also elevated previous episodes this season. We also have some additional super chats. Thank you, other Aaron. <laughs> Double Aaron tonight. He said, thank do you think the Mandalorian will be Bo-Katan? walking both paths and likely to ride the mythosaur. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Mark, what do you think? Do you think that she's the Mandalorian? I think when they came up with the title of the show and didn't sort of pin it on a specific person, they were being very savvy. Uh, Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't think that's, that, that could be very easily uh, read that way. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And obviously as we'll get into there's there's every eventuality that that could become you know, the way it goes, but yeah, it's a good observation. It's uh, it's quite possible. Yeah. What do you guys think, James? John? I know I felt that way while I was talking through my watch along on Patreon. Cause I do them in the morning <laughs> of Mandalorian. I would do these new watch alongs on Patreon. So if you're interested, head over there. Um, I was talking the whole time being like, Oh, I think it was last week. I was like, Oh, could the Mandalorian be Grogu? Cause they were making that armor and everything. And I was like, Oh, could the Mandalorian be Bo-Katan this week? So every mm-hmm. week my brain is like, who is the Mandalorian? Yeah, I, I think I think Mark, you nailed it with it being a smart choice for the wording of how ambiguous, they do it. Because yeah. then they they make it ambiguous. But at the end of the day, I feel like this. It kind of reminds me of Rebels, for instance. Like you're watching season one and season two, and you go, "Oh, Ezra, he's the main character." And then when you get into season three, you're like is Sabine the main character? Like all of a mm-hmm. sudden that season three really took a tour- turn towards that character and put her at the forefront. Uh, but then when you get to season four, you're like, no, it's it's about Ezra. It's always been about Ezra. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I think we're going to return, but I think that season three has the ability to sort of play with the title and play with our emotions and explore other main characters. Yeah. Great, great. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'll yeah. just say, I think... 
I think there'd be I I like the idea because Bogotan has been around for such a long time, but I think She's there would be so a good. I think there would be a little bit of bait and switch feeling out of fans that you introduce this new character. It's his new show. The first episode is called The Mandalorian, and he shows up on screen. He's called Mando by everybody, and then they're going to be like, you know what? He's not the guy though, even though it's his show. So <laughs> he is not the. I, I I I think it's still going to be Din Djarin, whether he lives or not. I have no idea. And then 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 they could sort of like have her take over or something like that. Just weird speculation, but I still think he's he's the one right now. Awesome. Next, we have Chibigon89, a.k.a. Danny. Hey, Danny. Uh, thanks for the super chat. She said, is it just me, or do the Mandalorians keep looking at Din and Bo-Katan for a lot of leadership decisions on this episode? I emoji. Again, subtle hints for a power couple. <laughs> thanks, Danny, Danny. I see you, and I totally get that vibe. I also got a vibe that the Mandalorian was internally screaming when she walked up, and <laughs> the armor was like, present someone that doesn't need to wear their helmet and mandalorian's like what did i just go through yeah yeah Hmm. that was probably a a tough pill for mando to emily swallow if i have to be honest yeah i don't know i'm kind of yeah i'm kind of looking at this i don't know there's a couple times like obviously he's been handed the hammer so he's presenting and he looks like a leader I don't know. There's a couple things here that I'm like, I see how we're focusing on these characters, but I, I think we're only focusing on them because the story is focusing on them. And I think they're getting all the opportunity that they would anyway to speak or talk or present an idea. Like when Carson Tavis shows up, he's addressing the Mandalorians, but he's really talking to, to Din Djarin. So Din Djarin walks forward, not as a leader, but because that's who he came to see, you know? Um, a couple things like that. And then Bo-Katan, Bo-Katan's her own story because the only person who's like really having a conversation with her is the armor at this point. And I think that's just because the armor is like, you're Bo-Katan. <laughs> like, right. I know who you are. You are a huge celebrity. You have this ability to, to walk both worlds. We or we should utilize your fame and your reputation. So I think that's why she's getting looked at that way. Um, but I, I don't disagree with how this episode looked. They, they definitely felt like they were standing out. Both those characters in the group what'd you guys think John, hold on one second i'll be right back i don't know uh, mark do you think do you think the there's any sort of relationship romance type of thing being kindled here um i'm old enough to remember watching moonlighting back in the 80s <laughs> and, and the x-files in the 90s and it was always that will smolder and scully will, will they won't they yeah. But exactly, and you know, it was it was fun to a point, and then when they did, it kind of sunk, not sunk, but it altered both shows. I don't think this is that, um, but I do sort of look at the characters, and and the fact that there's an attraction is perfectly natural if there was, uh, right. because they do know each other in you know and have um, got a, got a sort of a growing history. But uh, like you say, like James said, you know, and it's something to consider because if you know if you're new to uh, the two Bo-Katan as a character in The Mandalorian, unlike us who've kind of known her for 10 years when she rocks up in Clone Wars in, I don't know, 2011 or whatever it was. Um, she is kind of a rock star and she has had this massive history with Mandalore and she kind of is a celebrity to Mandalorians. And so right, you right. watch it in its isolation and it's just, she's just turned up at the covert and, and the armor is the boss and, and there's all the respect in the world for that. And you can kind of see in real time Bo respecting right. the process of how they're treating their Mandalorianism, if you want to call it that. And yet here's the armor, <laughs> as you say, sort of going, well, 
actually, you know, you are you are the one that can do these things, and we we need more than this. And and I like that you can analyze the situation and kind of go, oh, Amanda's just gone through all of that, and she just takes the half, and 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 right. that wash, washes away everything that just happened. That's not how life works. It, it's a live situation, and the goalpost literally changed in this episode certainly to the armourer's point of view, and, and in terms of allowing people to go off and do stuff or giving them permission or making it just easier as a team, if the armourer says, take your helmet off, go and do it, that's the way it's going to go. There was yeah. a moment I was nervous, though, when she said, take it off. I was like, don't do it. Don't do yeah. it. She's like, ah, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think it was an ah, gotcha. Actually, my, you are my a Mandalorian no more. Was that she would, <laughs> armor was going to take her helmet off, too. That was Yeah, the I thought so, too. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. uh, but I, but my my quick thing on this is like, there's like two tactics potentially at play here. One, she uh, like you were sort of alluding to, Mark, uh, the armor, and she said it as much. You know, we, she realizes she needs more Mandalorians than what the Creed is like holding people to, um, and also the fact that she could be using it as a way to sort of test the the patience and will to be involved of Din Djarin because he could be like, you know, this is garbage. You know, you had me almost get killed to go do this thing to this place that you said was poisoned and, and there's beasts and all this stuff. And then you just say like, Hey, pop the helmet off. Go ahead. Yeah. So yeah, I, did I, wonder, though, I did wonder whether we were going to get a scene like in Andor when they're flying back to, uh, back to uh, the, the township on the ship at the end and they silently swap caps. I just wondered <laughs> whether Bo was going to try on the armor's helmet and then the arm's going to try on her helmet. I don't know. I mean, mate. they're going to have to give it a try. Over, paint yeah. their nails. Yeah. Yeah, Hello, yeah. fight. You know, just have a girl's name. Oh, I wasn't thinking that far ahead. But no, <laughs> maybe, maybe in episode seven, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Our next super chat's Kyle Beckworth. Hey, Kyle. What up, hey, Kyle? Kyle? He said, Best episode of the season so far. Zeb looked so good. He yeah. did. Uh, thanks for the stickers I received them in the mail, made my day. So happy that yeah. you guys got your stickers from Patreon. Head over to Patreon if you're interested. <laughs> and last but not least, we have Miles. Thank you so much for the super chat. He said, Mando brought me light after horror from Bad Batch. And we won't spoil Bad Batch here. <laughs> yeah, but, I'd love uh, to talk about it, but I don't want to say anything if people haven't watched it because Mando usually comes first for a lot of people. They're like, I'll go check out the Mando fan show. They never talk about Bad Batch on there. It's going to be safe. And then we're like, blah, 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 yeah, blah. If you want to know Bad Batch, go do Bad Batch reaction show. I put up the episode already. And speaking of things that I did, I also made this for us. <laughs> Just added an extra two on the end there. Also on Young wow. Lee in the house on the Patreon store. Um, all right, here we go. Let's get into this right now. Uh, first, I'm going to do this quick just for the sake of time. Someone throwing tomatoes at me for the swallow joke, I assume. Yes. Um, yes. All right. So the Mando code this week, you know the deal. We're giving away a uh, collection of items at the end of the season, and we're giving a hint away for you to collect on each episode. So this week, uh, we're giving away the fifth number, and the fifth number in the Mando code is two. So make sure you jot that down, keep it wherever you keep the other numbers, and be a good bounty hunter and don't share it with others because that's not what bounty hunters do for the most part. Um, all right. So let's get into this thing. Uh, Mark, loaded episode, as you said. Uh, did you have a favorite line moment shot that you were like, "That's I love that." Um, not not what not a specific one because it it felt continuously loaded with cool moments and dis, dis, like welcomingly distracting moments. And I suppose we kind of talked about the one that people are going to talk about the most. Like last week, it was it was Ahmed's character turning up, Keller and turning up, and that was the 
that was the hook moment for that episode and this week yeah. in a different way in a smaller way but but no less important it was Zeb turning up you know and it being Steve Bloom doing the voice and that was oh okay now we now we've got two dots to connect now we kind of figure out where he went from the end of the last time we saw him and and Charter Path so that was that was exciting and I think it's it's like obviously we've got Ahsoka coming and we've mentioned Rebels characters turning up in things before so you know Favloni, as I like to call them, are very good at sort of linking these things together and seeding stuff, you know, other stuff we're going to see. So uh, whilst it wasn't the single best moment, because there was lots of very cool bits, I think that's probably the one that you think back to when you talk about this episode, ah, that's the one where Zeb turned up. So I would probably say that. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I'm going to go with probably one of the dogfight moments um, over Navarro and... I liked it for a couple of reasons and it was so uh, um, grief Karga talking to Mando as he's trying to fight the pirates and he's saying like 10 to one, like uh, you're a little bit, you bit outnumbered. And he says, I like those odds, which is now that Mando has been around so long. It's a callback to itself. Cause he says that in like the first episode of the Mandalorian yeah. and he does this maverick spin move and the two pirates crash into each other, classic star Wars folly style and explode which I almost wish he said now it's eight to one or, you know, pulled one of those, but Favreau right. probably reel, reeled back the cheese a little bit and that's all right. <laughs> but that moment, I just thought it was cool because the shot was quick and the way they collided and the way the music was going and the dialogue saying, I like those odds. I just thought it was a very cool, like how George Lucas likes going fast in space type of Star Wars moment. So I really enjoyed that moment during that dogfight. And also, again, I'm going to keep saying this, Peter Ramsey there was no part in this episode where I was like, Ooh, they pinched a few uh, pennies on that shot. I felt like this felt really theatrical and big and every shot felt it's worth. And I thought it was great. So uh, great job on those dog fights and the action was stellar. Um, Lacey, you're up next. Did you have a favorite moment shot or line from chapter 21? So I have to say out of all the episodes, this was the hardest one for me because there were so many really, really cool moments and or shots that I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I would say kind of the Anzellans altogether are always great. Uh, the, the fact that they got Shirley Henderson back to do them is just so perfect to me. Um, Everything's going to be all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come see this. <laughs> Come over here. Um, but I think my favorite shot is when they're at the Rebellion Bar and they do a slide shot past Filoni and rick and deb they do a really beautiful like they had it on a slider behind them and you get to see a glimpse of them but then it can it keeps moving and they shoot through them to the conversation with uh paul and then eventually zeb it's just such a cool shot that in the the pan up when paz Vizsla lands on the ground and the camera pans up to him is such an epic hero shot that it was just perfectly done by peter <laughs> ramsey yeah, and, yeah. and how about uh, Trapper Wolf wearing the same hat as Dave Filoni? So that's he was out. actually wearing more of a brownish hat. I felt like it was very similar really, though, it's like I the Star really, Wars version of it. Yes, know? I really wanted the black hat, like the Filoni black hat, but it was definitely more of like a you can't wear your black hat, but you can wear this one. Yeah, it's like what Cad Bane wears or whatever. You yeah, know, similar type of. I, th- I think I think we need George Sakul to turn up. That's what we need. We need George Sakul <laughs> to turn up in a plaid shirt, and everything's good with the universe. That's what I think. <laughs> I I agree. If 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 he was sitting there eating some Panda Express or drinking or whatever, <laughs> I would have loved it. Um, oh, the other thing, Lacey, you bring up Paz Vizsla, and now we'll, we'll get into it. 
I you, you know here's Batman be, Batman begins when Commissioner Gordon first sees the Batmobile and he goes I gotta get me one of those mm-hmm. he's walking around with his gun that is mowing down everything and everyone else is like pew, 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 pew. I would be like can we all just get that we'll be completely fine if we each have one of those weapons and he's just <laughs> he's like out of my way Blang, mowing everybody down. So I just thought that that was, yeah, a big time shot. And of course, it's Favreau voicing the character, you know. So, um, all right, James, favorite shot, moment, line from chapter 21. So we're going to talk about it more, but I, I'm going to use the opportunity to talk about something different because the 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 one is it, it's it's got to be the Zeb shot, right? That's just the biggest moment for me. It's the biggest height in the thing, you know, seeing seeing that character and <clears throat> watching him just being totally blown away. But I want to talk about something specific that we might not talk about if we don't. And that is uh, Grief Karga talking to the hologram version of Gorian Shard. I loved that scene. I loved yeah. it. It was so yeah. awesome. It's like yeah. the, the way it was like moving around him and stuff. I was like, this feels like I'm watching a Star Wars movie. And I fell in love with Gorian Shard like immediately when I saw him. And he's like this giant Jabba move, walking puppet muppet thing i'm like that that is cool and i hope he returns and i i'm still saying that as of today because he might be dead we don't know but i when he came back i was like this is awesome all the scenes with him but specifically that hologram scene and their conversation back and forth like um just how they were like oh weird i hear the voice of this person but you know what i see before me is this and i just i loved it it was so well written so exciting and uh and even even how it ends like don't call me back unless you're calling to surrender (laughs) and then it just hangs up he runs over to the window it's so good i loved it i loved the scene it's probably my favorite scene besides just you know that like crazy nostalgic or payoff thing from zeb right yeah and uh you know james messaged us earlier today he was the last one to watch it and he wrote gorian shard r.i.p <laughs> to which i replied nah he got away he salad out the back door <laughs> and, <laughs> so james goes possible it remains to be seen <laughs> to which i said let us discuss more in detail tonight the here it is <laughs> <laughs> to which I said nothing and didn't talk to them for like three hours. There you go. That's true. Yeah, she was <laughs> cold as iceberg. I can't add any more puns. All, I, I nearly said everything comes with a cuss, but that's terrible. <laughs> I've been calling him Kale Organa. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's just talk about the episode in general. Um, a lot to unpack. Um it seems like this was everyone's favorite episode. There was so much going on that we're already tying in the 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 sort of seeds that were planted in previous episodes. Um, we see the character. Uh, I already forget her name. That uh, Katie played the the one who Aaliyah was like Kane. Aaliyah Kane. Aaliyah Kane. Yeah. So we see her, and she clearly is trying to do everything she can she to prevent sucks. them from going to Navarro. Yeah, I was just thinking that exact phrase. I was like, she yeah. Sucks. Like, so what do we uh, what do we think's going on there with that? Why is she trying to prevent them from going to Navarro specifically? Like she clearly has concerns, and she was doing everything she can to say, "No, don't worry about Navarro." They'll realize the shuttle is there with him not on it. I think. Yeah, 
I was I'm just wondering if there's more to Navarro where it's like, all right, it's an independent system. It's not part of the Republic. Um, it has no ties to anything. Is this a bigger play? Who is she working for is what I want to know. Is she working for Thrawn who's out there? And like, is he working for someone who's trying to rebuild the empire and they're trying to get all these independent systems under lockdown, you know? So I, I'm just curious, like I was thinking bigger picture, like where, what do you guys think in terms of like, do, does, does that give you any sort of inkling as to who she might be really working for at this point? Are the pirates being hired by um, Moff Gideon? That's 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 the whole thing, and the ending sort of. I mean, she's everything clearly too, so. clearly still working for Moff Gideon. We all know this, right? Are we all on that same page? Hundred percent, yes. Or whoever Moff, think... Moff Gideon was working for. I mean, I guess that's fair, but to me, she still seems very loyal to him. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> she I mean, you're right. I mean, technically she yeah. could go well, above and beyond, but it just feels like they're they need a way to get Moff Gideon back into the story. And I feel like she's the, the lead in to that. So uh I think it was the second or third third episode, someone mentioned, whether it was Bo Katan or somebody saying they heard that Moff Gideon Oh, it was the third episode with uh Pershing, where those 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 saved people L eight seven G two nine or whatever <laughs> were saying like I heard Moff Gideon was hooked up to a mind flare. Now, if that's true, we saw her operating the mind flare and really screwing up Pershing. Is that a reality here that happened, where Gideon was taken to a mind flare and his brain got reconfigured or something, and then someone else like I don't know. Why would they bring that up in a line? I don't think Favreau is accidental with these little sh- small lines. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, no, it's good. This is a good observation because uh, obviously, and, and that includes us now. Even though we've seen the shuttle and we've kind of identified that was the, you know, the the lambda glass that he was in. That it's it all happenstance and rumor at this moment with with uh, with Gideon, and we're seeing the mechanics of the New Republic in that third third episode of season three. You just see how massive it is. Very the very Andor feeling episode. Uh, and that the Republic's now just turned into a massive bureaucracy that's toothless. And we kind of know from this era that they want to demilitarize and it's, you know, it's, it is all very, um, well, they're, they're heading on a fast track to a bad place, aren't they? Once again, in a totally different way to the way they did before, the way the Empire did it, the way the Republic took its eye off the ball. Now this Republic's, you know, taking leaps when it should be taking baby steps because the galaxy's not ready for so much of what's That's a good ahead. point. Yeah. You know, so I just I do think that yeah, um, it's a lot of a lot of stuff has been missed in, in relation to uh, to Gideon, g- g- you know, on the broadest sense. Uh, so it's a perfect time for him, and I would imagine she's. I think there's a connection, but she's probably not the only operative that's running interference. But that's what this felt like. Every time somebody rocks up from, especially from that part of the galaxy, and she's there, you know. She heard it straight away. She recognized him, clearly recognized yeah. him. Yeah. She's a communications officer, so she's mm-hmm. probably quite very aware of Carson Tita, So she, But he probably has never seen her. He, she'd have come up on his coast, but not the other way around. Or, right, or and then he focused scopes. on her emblem, which I didn't look up. That There's clearly significance there as to what that meant. Does that mean she was former Imperial? Is that a... a, a is that what that... Yeah, that's, that's the amnesty program, isn't it? So, uh, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it, I mean, there's just so, I, I, I love this episode so much, but coming out of it, I felt like I had way more questions, which is always a good thing. Yeah. 
yeah. uh, especially we have, we have ways to go here. And Bryce Dallas Howard doing the next episode, which I think is going to have a lot of hype behind it after the episode she's done so far um, for, from directing. So I don't know, any other thoughts on that, guys, in terms of uh, her character's People... motivations or... People did bring up the fact that, you know, last season there was a whole episode where they have that cloning facility on Navarro. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's, that's a good point, too. Yeah, yeah. If there might be a bigger thing going on with, as far as the Jeans Empire. guy episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, the um, last time on The Mandalorian or whatever the preview that shows you things that have happened, it goes back to the first season with the client and Dr. Pershing and that cloning, you know, room with they had where they had Grogu in. So, they're clearly hinting toward that for sure. Yeah, it definitely seems like it's a ground for the Empire. And as they're moving forward, they probably still have a lot of secrets there. And I think it's very possible that Moff Gideon hired the pirates to come in and kind of wipe out and destabilize the town. Uh, and then as in that same time frame, he's like, you know, escaping and setting up his plans. And now he's starting to work his other former people within the New Republic as well to take out some of the people that he had been working with, including Dr. Pershing and other things. You know what I mean? It just all seems like it's headed towards Moff Gideon getting back on top as like the, I'm pulling all the strings here, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. What we were, uh, what we really fell in love with was season one. Cause I think season two, they took a turn and then they were like, yeah, maybe we bring him back to that point where he's actually quite capable and quite powerful as far as being like the head of an organization uh an evil organization but i do i do want to take a second and just mention because we haven't talked about it at all tim meadows is in this episode <laughs> uh, yes which the crazy thing is i have to give her credit molly damon pointed him out weeks ago and was like that looks like tim meadows and i was like oh really it. holy yes. cow good she job totally molly. did in the background of the trailer and she had wow. said like is that him and i was like i don't see it but that's weird and then he showed up and i was like oh my god she's right <laughs> Favreau he just was like, in the trailer and we missed it like in the background blurred out yeah wow that's wild yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah it's like and then horatio sand season one it's like Favreau just like got most of his cast from like late 90s snl he's like come on in <laughs> mandalorian um he, all right well he basically was the principal in uh mean girls in this he was the principal in mean girls yeah no that's what i'm saying is like his role here is basically the principal (laughs) the mean girls like the company's like why do i have all these problems in front of me stop (laughs) being annoying (laughs) um i do i think we should now that we're talking about moff gideon talk about the end and give our thoughts on that um I just have this weird theory because I, I don't know if you guys remember this, but you know how Giancarlo Esposito can be a little bit loose-lipped with stuff and he's pretty candid. He said something in an interview last year about how this guy's obsessed with Mandalorians or something like that. Is there any... And we saw him wielding the Darksaber and in my opinion, he was doing a better job of it than Din Djarin was. Yeah. Is there any chance this guy was a Mandalorian and they used the Mind Flare on him to program him to be imperial it's a possibility it's possible I is that just I that might just be a further away theory than yours so let's explore yours first <laughs> well i don't know if there's much to that it's just pretty much throwing it out there because you know i don't know what the mind flare does but to me it's like reconditioning and like four i think they erased something. his mind fully <laughs> i think he's gone gone homeboy's Who? done pershing Oh, Pershing. Yeah, I don't know what the, yeah, what's going on with him, but I'm saying if they use the He's same thing for Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon, 
Did um, they? Did they say that they did? Well, that was the thing. We don't know if it's true or not, but one of the Amnesty people had said, I had heard that they hooked him up to a mind flare and they were talking about Moff Gideon. Mm. Um, so my theory me, is that, that was just... Mando. Oh, yeah. I, all I was going to say was to me, that statement was just like, I heard he blah, blah, blah. I heard he. And then it's supposed to be like that nobody really knows. So if you heard he just escaped, away. Okay. it's just a throwaway. Don't, that's probably also just a rumor. You know, mm-hmm. I think it was just two rumors to set up the third thing, which was actually the truth that he had escaped and never went to trial. But because the other two things are just, are also crazy, you're supposed to understand how people would hear that rumor and not believe it and throw it away because we've heard two or three or multiple other rumors. That's the only thing I think those two lines were set up for, but you know, I mean, crazier things have happened. I mean, they could have the guy, he could be hooked up to a mind flare now come back and be like, that was the old me. And he's like part of the team now. (laughs) They can do anything they want. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? He's had a change of heart. He's one of the good guys now. It's know. total recall, isn't it? it could, that mind flare, we don't really know what it does. It could, it could right. wipe out personalities. It could bring personalities back. They could have overlaid a personality on him. And you're right, he was great with that dark saber. In the, and like Bo's great with the dark saber, and, and there's others that have been great with the dark saber. And, and Din doesn't really believe in right. whatever enough to wield it. And yet he could be the reluctant leader. We don't know yet. It's too far out to tell. But with with uh, Gideon. Yeah, I mean, you've got the remnant, and and there's going to be members of the remnant that are loyal to the to the um, the process of an empire. Let's put it that way, that the ideals of an empire, and some that are loyal to the emperor, and and others because it's fragmented, and you know that's kind of the point. And so you just don't know who's playing who at this point. And and as I say, you've got Elia Kane doing what she's doing. Is she running interference for the remnant? Is she running it specifically for Gideon? And so it's still it's still that melting pot of of potential ideas, but um, I, I don't. I wouldn't discount the idea of Gideon having some connection because, especially with what we find out at the final scene, you know, the best girl on the on the Lambda class. So you know, there's lots of options. Right. Right. So I mean, yeah. I, I, who, so who do who do you guys think took him? Do you think it was a okay. um, like a setup, I, or do you think Mandalorians took him? Do you think it, Jodo, you Jodo think? cast Jodo cast took him? That's all I think. <laughs> I have a. Uh... I have two crazy theories. The first one, um, probably the crazier one, is that Bo-Katan is actually behind this. Um, And that after what happened in season two, where he was like, oh, she knows all about the Darksaber. She has to kill you. And the way she was like looking at the whole situation and processing it, I think in the time of her solitude alone, there's a chance that she's like been sort of setting this up. Let me get Moff Gideon to help me get that dark saber back and t- take out and destructuralize all those bad people. And now oh, she's kind of stuck in a position because she sort of maybe understands their position now. So she's been she already she's already released the bad guy on them, but now she's starting to regret that. So she's yep. kind of like playing both fields. That's why I think they're like focusing in on her. Like she walks both paths. She's like, I walk more paths than you think I walk kind of thing. Is that what, that's how I felt at the end of the episode. But the other opportunity to that is that he, he uh, wielded the dark saber at one point. So that means if he knows the history and understands the history of it, there's a good chance that he probably also is aware of Maul. And when Maul ran the Mandalorians and when Maul was using the dark saber, if he follows that walk of life, there's a good chance that we could see live action Maul DeLoreans 
uh oh man behind, like as his thing as well wow which wouldn't be surprising because apparently like you know how much dave loves and respects george lucas george lucas's ideas for the sequel trilogy was that darth maul was the main villain yeah and so if they have any way of honoring that in this time frame that could be this uh that could be why we don't see the armor without a helmet because she has got the little sort of zabrak bumps on it yes right right like maybe they're like who knows like maybe there's a conversation that they had part of the conversation that we didn't see which is like here's why you can remove your helmets and i need you to do this and all this other stuff and she comes out of that conversation feeling like she knows we bokatan has more information than they're giving to the rest of the gang it's interesting so mark lacy any thoughts on who 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 do you think in your gut um is behind it because james that's that's i never heard anyone say that so that's wild i'm torn I, I just, I'm not sure. Do you guys have any thoughts or are you like me? <laughs> we all like you, John. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, go on, Lacey. Go on. Um, I, I, so my initial reaction was, oh my God, could this be Sabine? Because Sabine and Ahsoka are looking for Thrawn and could they get to Moff Gideon, which then would lead them to Thrawn. But then quickly, as I was thinking after the episode, I was like, but they would never kill new Republic officers to get that. Like that's a whole kind of dark side of Ahsoka that I never think she would do. You know, if they were on a bad side, then maybe, but I couldn't see her just killing people to kill them um, unless they just got in the way. But to me, and I think people have been saying in the chat too, which I, I agree with, is like, it just seems kind of like a setup. Like it wasn't Mandalorians. They just want people to think it's Mandalorians. Now, ultimately, could it be Thrawn? Could it be uh, Moff Gideon himself and his team setting it up to look like he was taken and he really wasn't? It was his crew grabbing him. Um, but there's definitely something that's planting it on the Mandalorians or specifically on the Mandalorian on Din Djarin, because he's kind of made the splash in the, uh, the universe so far, which just seems to happen in star Wars is like one character seems to make all these decisions. And then everyone's like, knows who that person is um, kind of like a Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, all these people. But I feel like someone's trying to frame the Mandalorians, if not the Mandalorian, to make this an issue. And the question is, who could that be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think when we first saw Bo-Katan in season three and she's sitting on the throne and she's kind of housing a little bit because things haven't gone the way she wanted and she's a bit sort of lost at sea and annoyed. And she basically says, you know, the... Um, the other Mandalorians, you know, it all fractured. They wouldn't follow me because I hadn't got the dark saber, and many of them have gone back to being mercenaries. And I just think the first time we saw a Mandalorian in live action on screen was a. I know it's Boba Fett, and we know the history, and and it's not quite, you know, like these Mandalorians. But essentially, we saw a Mandalorian getting paid off by the Empire to go and hunt somebody down. So we know Mandalorians. The first time we ever see one, that arguably the most famous one was being paid by the Emperor to do some pretty dark stuff. So it wouldn't surprise me if some of these Mandalorians, these other Mandalorians that have gone another way, and and this is the way wherever you go, essentially, isn't it? Especially when you bring them all back into the fold, they've gone off and some of them are doing pretty dark things because they're warriors, they're soldiers, they're not averse to doing questionable stuff. Um, I mean, the Mandalorian was doing that when we met him. 
exactly yeah sketchy stuff yeah yeah it's you know the show went from being uh, yeah. a hunting show to it's not so much about a hunting show now but it's you know that was definitely like i said it was the core of the beginning of it so it wouldn't surprise me if there are other mercenary mandos which is uh, jack a- and bobber so what if, and I don't know like when that would be put in place or when this happened, because we see the ship, we're not sure when the you know attack happened, because it's been a year since Book of Boba Fett's time, so it's been a while. Yeah. But um, I know, Lacey, when you and I were talking before, you had said, like, oh, I think maybe Sabine, and, and I said, maybe Axe Woves and Casca Reeves, because mm-hmm. bo is by herself. Where are they? We had heard rumors that they're going to be around, but that may serve James's theory that it is – Bo-Katan, but she sent them to do the work right uh, the dirty work yeah and and remember sasha banks had that very weird uh decline that she's in season three it was just it, it was something about it like these actors do a bad job of lying where she was like oh i would have loved to but i'm not on this one who is this? that's what she said i think uh sasha banks who plays oh Oscar she was Reeves. at the premiere though i yeah and yeah it's like when, I, when we saw frank <laughs> oz at the premiere of the last jedi i was like what? There's all there's also yeah. toys where if you look at the back it has Funko Pops for those two characters for this oh. season. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> all right, we're going to be honest about the here Funko. They're but they're toys regardless. Or right, now, James, yeah. it, it so if that's I mean that's huge if it is Bo-Katan and she sent them or they could have defected from Bo-Katan. And or like she could Mark have sent them like, before all this. She's pretty loyal. She sent yeah. them before all this other stuff happened. Before all now that. She's that, I, that was my thing, yeah. Yeah. But now James, she's a part of them. Great, that's a great point James makes, though, because because this is a, a live situation, if you like, because these parts are moving around all the time, it could very well be that in her isolation and and uh, yeah, everything's not gone the way anybody thought it was going to go, that she does task these people to do things like that, to, to try and advance the cause, to take back Mandalore and yada yada. And now She's all in a low place. Like, and... Which would explain that. why her house got attacked. Because say they steal Moff Gideon and then Thrawn catches them and he finds out through torture that they work for Bo-Katan, he's going to go get back at Bo-Katan. Mm. Yeah. Like, hey, you tried to take my guy? I'm going to take your home. There's a lot of loose threads that mm-hmm. it's just like this episode really opened up so many things. But James, I really do think you're on to something with mm-hmm. that. I know that I think about it. Um, but let's, you know, there's other stuff we have to get to. Um, what do you guys think overall of uh, the pirates? Are you liking them? Um, we've heard rumors that, you know, they may expand beyond this show. Uh, I, I personally do not think... Gorian Shard died. Uh, I think he he got out, like uh, someone had mentioned before. Do you guys think he survived? I think that's too cool of a character to have him have a, a not off-screen death yeah. that quickly. I guess. Depends. I, if he's in Skeleton like Crew, he sure, he's alive, <laughs> but he looks like he's dead. I mean, the Skeleton Crew rumor, and we're spoiling it for anybody, if if that you know that's out there, that these pirates may be the pirates or the lead bad guys in Skeleton Crew. Um, I think it mainly led with um, the other one, the one that like escapes, which sort of then feeds to the theory that if every other pirate died, but he like left and got away, then, you know, okay, well, he goes off and does his own thing. Um, I'd like it to be going in chart. But to me, when I watched the episode, I was like, ah, that's a bummer because he's like, I'm going down with the ship. And then they show the Mm -hmm. ship go down and it's a huge explosion. Like, yeah, he could have got out, I guess. But like sometimes it's like 
sometimes the theories aren't worth it and it's just easier to be like oh they you know they killed off that character that you know they're telling you something and if you want if you just believe that then that's the story and then when they pull one over you you get a surprise you know instead of like trying to guess it being wrong twice what if <laughs> he know? what if he fell out of the ship and he was tossed <laughs> yeah. out yeah. oh, oh. Oh my <laughs> I just think that with uh, home Don't run, bet on the house, John. Yeah, there you go. High five of the angels. Look at that. <laughs> um, I, I just think that now with live action Star Wars, we can get flashbacks and they can show moments. So if, if in, in a year's time he comes back, they'll just flash back to previously on The Mandalorian and you'll just see a little shuttle pod fly out or something right. like that. And I think right. back to Phantom Menace. This is why I think nobody's dead until you see the, the, the you know the body. Uh, Mace Windu could turn up with one hand. Why not? You never saw him hit the ground. And good grief, you imagine doing a previously on the Phantom Menace and you see the bottom half of Maul run off <laughs> and then the top <laughs> half of Maul pull himself along with his arms and somehow he survives, you know, and we get the flashback. So, yeah, I, I you know, until they turn him that's, into like an omelet or something. I, I, that's I so the truth and it's also so the problem is like yeah. now because they did it once, it's proof that they can always do it. And when they try to kill off a character... They, they can't just allow you no. to go through the story of like, we are telling you a story about how this character died and forever it will be, yeah. well, they Captain could Kennedy. not be dead. You know, Captain it's like, Kennedy. we're trying to tell you. I blame, I blame Spock. It's Roth of Khan, Nicholas Myers, for they did it. <laughs> ah, bringing, yes. bringing, bringing Spock, that's what started all this. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's I, I don't know. I just feel like he's too cool to to, to not be in the mix. Um, um, Lacey, I do know we have about, a couple of uh, super chats, oh, so why don't we get to those and we'll continue this. Sure. So we have our first super chat from Dave Hornack, Indie Dave. What up, Dave? Oh, uh, thank you, Dave. Chat. He said, just want to support this great channel and community Killer. also and without being on the screen yet this season, and Gideon is already framing the Mandalorians. He doesn't, he really doesn't <laughs> like them. Oh, man. I, we talk about this a lot, but the the difference between him and season one and season two is just so crazy to me because season one, like, that moment when he shows up to Navarro and he's, like, listing, like, all that personal information about them, it I mean, is chilling. And, like, that is the character that I think John Favreau wrote for... Giancarlo Esposito like John Favreau was like this is who I'm picturing and this is the guy I want so yeah. when you get him in season two and he's not that guy anymore I wanted that guy back the first guy the first season mm -hmm. guy so I'm hoping that we're building I, to that I think it could happen I think he, there's a really good chance that he could come back and he could be like Mandalorian you think all of this is just happening like this is part of the plan buddy you know like kind of thing and, and it's yeah. like he just reveals so much and like not like I look, I don't know if the Bo-Katan thing is there, but if that were true, that would be a good example of how it could play out. It'd be like, I'm playing her, I'm playing him, I'm playing them. You know, <laughs> like right. it's all because you thought of me. you got me, but at the end, yeah. I'm still winning. Yeah, 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 totally. Well, thanks, Dave. Uh, then we have Freezy twenty three twenty four. Thank you so much for the super chat. He said, "When do you think we'll see Luke again?" The season of Mando or Ahsoka. Also, have any of you read Timothy Zahn's original Thrawn trilogy? Mark, I'm going to let you go first. Do you think we'll see Luke again this season uh, 
or Ahsoka, and have you read Timothy Zahn's Thrawn trilogy? Oh, I have read Timothy Zahn's Thrawn trilogy. Yes, back in which one? Um, was that ninety-one? The original one? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I know. Yeah, he said original. But I'm just saying <laughs> he's had three trilogies. That's true. That's very true. Uh, I don't think we'll see Luke in this. Oh, well, I'm very happy to be wrong. Uh, I don't think we'll see Luke in Mando again, but I think there's a good chance you'll see him in Ahsoka. There was that nice understanding between Luke and Ahsoka in that Book of Boba Fett scene. So I'd be I'd be not disappointed, but I'd be surprised if we didn't see him. Um, it feels like now with with every episode, and I think even at the start of this one, I don't think it said previously on The Mandalorian. I think it was said previously because a chunk of it was from Book of Boba Fett. So, mm-hmm. you know, so it was, you know, they've got that option now that you'll get, maybe a year or two down the road and you'll have a flashback or a, a, a montage of previously on <laughs> previously on Star Wars, you know. Pre- previously, it's like Rebels season two yeah. or something. It's that's like, it. what that's is it. happening? Previously <laughs> in canon. Yeah. yeah, in canon, yeah. You know, so <laughs> so I think, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him. And other characters turning up wouldn't surprise me. I mean, like I say, we've had Zeb this week and, and that was great and, you know, other moments... But uh, I think Ahsoka's probably where you'll see Luke next. John, what do you think? I think there's going to be the uh, Luke and Anakin Force Ghost scene that's going to make everybody cry. That's what I think. It's going to be heavy duty, big time. I I, I think that the Book of Boba Fett skipped over something that I felt was very important to happen, and that was the Ahsoka-Luke conversation Yes, that it did. was private that you know like i knew your dad he was saved you know or or the, you know what i mean like i knew your dad and he was saved is what luke says back to yeah Ahsoka she doesn't like, know that yeah all this but it seems like when we got him in book of boba fett and we saw them on screen <laughs> the first time together they already knew each other and i was like i want them meeting or i want them having those hard conversations that's why i think if we get luke and ahsoka it's more likely going to be a flashback to show us those scenes that'd be cool yeah i mean i'd be fine with that yeah you've just said something there john that's just really got me thinking that if they did that force ghost scene you'd have hamill and christensen doing the same together which is something you'd never in your wildest dreams imagine would happen oh man wouldn't that be yeah. just watching the gallery of that yeah that'd yeah, be yeah, yeah. Oh. that'd be crazy jeez wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank well, now, you. Now, now I hope we see it, but yeah. I'm not going to get my expectations up. I'm going to be, I'm going to be smart about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't want right, to get your hopes so, up, but it's more of a forced spirit, to be honest. With you. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> um, so we, we, I mean, we, we have a few minutes here. I know there's probably a lot that we didn't really cover. So, Mark, is there anything that you feel like we needed to touch on about this episode before we do some light speculating on what we might see next week? one thing is just it's kind of not anything to do with the story it's actually to do with the production people everyone's a sort of a Monday morning quarterback to use an American phrase uh, about all these things and how expert they are on picking out visual effects and how terrible the the, you know the the stagecraft is and I could see the corners and blah 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 and this season uh, because you do get kind of savvy to where to look and things like that I think this season has been just phenomenal visually. And so this episode, you know, seeing that cruiser come in, it looked a bit like a hammerhead Corvette type shit. Didn't right. it? I, can't, I didn't catch the name of the Corsair. Um, um, yeah. 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 They, they, they are, it, didn't they? if I'm not mistaken, those ships are associated with Thrawn in legends. Right. Okay. Yeah. It did look familiar, but it, it was, I couldn't quite place, but anyway, it somebody just, knows the, the name or something. It's, it, it, it was said in there, wasn't it? I think they did mention the class. But anyway, just seeing it above a city 
Because you never, I mean, it was always a thing, you know, you only ever saw Star Destroyers in orbit and then all of a sudden they're in atmosphere and la, la, la. So now you see vehicles like that, that you saw the shadow before grief looked up and moments like that. Just right. visually just stunning. And, and you say about the direction, you know, just some of the choices, just the angles. You saw the grief cargo moment from about three different angles, the hologram moment, and and just things like that, just little details just really made it sing for me. And so this episode, I... Yeah, I, that really, and amongst everything else that was very pleasing, that really stood out to me. I thought it was phenomenally well done, this episode. But it's, this is one of the ones that will get put forward for, you know, next year's VFX Awards. It was one of those. I think you're right, because it's one of those episodes where everywhere you look, there's something to enjoy or absorb, all the way down to just the monkey lizards scampering yes. when they're being fired upon in the tree. Yeah. Like we, When they tattle seen- on them. When they tattle on the the right. back, yes, of the yeah. yeah, we yeah, yeah we need this episode to be twice as long because like the whole thing with the hyperspace and how they're like they were moving three D around yeah. the ships in hyperspace and stuff, yeah. and I think I could be wrong. They probably have done this, but we actually got one of those exit hyperspace and the like the planet zooms in and i'm like yeah. i don't feel like we've been getting those but that's like movie exit hyperspace yeah. quality that was death star to entry to endor moment wasn't it with the, with the coming yeah. oh yeah. yeah yeah absolutely yes and they love those old techniques one one other thing that i think is really important to bring up and we literally have not said his name once is grogu yes and wow. i think that's why this episode is so important. We're sitting here giving this thing nines and 8.5s and it showed that this show doesn't need to lean on the transcending figure of Grogu for it to still be great show. Cause that's one of the critique people who maybe not love Mando are saying like, Oh, it's just because of the baby Yoda hype. That's why people like it and stuff. We are super star Wars nerds we love it we've been on for an hour and two minutes we didn't mention the word grogu once this last hour he was barely featured in the show he was there but we had this full loaded amazing episode that pushed the entire plot and story forward and got all these new threads and questions asked and i didn't feel like where is he i why i need to find out what's going on with him it shows that this show is sustainable without him but we obviously want him there. So I think it was a really important episode for that reason too. Mm-hmm. Big time. Yeah. Big time. He, he, like I said, he did have a very specific moment too, where um, Paz Vizsla is getting up and he's explaining all these things that it was all for this child kind of thing. He ends up turning around and kind of turning it into a different moment, but we're specifically pointing out Grogu in that scene. And he kind of had a, a moment of like, is all of the life that has been lost worth one foundling that that you know right. that concept has been brought up in this episode um and um i i i also just to to, to mark it off the list really quick too they also did the, i want to talk about the heart five thing just really really quickly yeah. like mention it at yeah. least that is like oh one of the you know resistance or one of the rebellion is like in your ranks so it's like not all they're double downing <laughs> he double dipping on that whole thing that he was uh in fact uh part of the rebellion and helped r2 and all that stuff i thought that was interesting in this episode so a little yeah. uh a little nod but john uh i don't yeah i'll let you take us where we want to go but we have gone this whole episode without talking about zeb and i thought that was going to be a huge part por- portion of this we gotta spend a couple we haven't minutes on really zeb. discussed it yeah um and that's fine like uh my quick thoughts on it um 
I loved how he was introduced. It wasn't one of these, like sometimes in the Clone Wars, they're a little too on the nose with the references and callbacks to what you're, what you know that character for. In this, he just sort of rolled up and he's just started talking about that situation. It wasn't like, well, when me and Kanan and Hera were in the, you know, it, he just started, <laughs> yeah. he was talking about his job and what's going on right now. And I love that introduction to him in live action. It didn't have to be this grandiose thing. And then like when he first came on screen, I was like, wait a minute. And then I heard him talk. I was like, oh, so, and I thought it, they, it was well done. It was how I felt about seeing Cad Bane in live action. I thought they executed it perfectly. I haven't seen people critique it too much or anything like that. I, I, it gets me even more excited for Ahsoka. I mean, I, I loved it. Yeah. yeah Let's go around. Looked, yeah. He looked really good. Um, there was a moment just like you, John, that I was watching and I was like, is that him? Because there's always a moment that like with the Inzellans, people immediately thought, oh, it's Babu Frick. And you're yeah. like, no, I right, can't right, right. be Babu Frick. Um, so you're just like, is it? It is. Oh my God, it is. And then part of me then goes to the place that most Star Wars fans go is, okay, so Katie made the jump. <laughs> Steve made the jump. Oh yeah. Who else is making the jump here? Um yeah. it's just one of those things that it's just it's weird, but you couldn't picture a different voice with that character. Um, but it was such a moment that I know when I saw it, I went, James is somewhere freaking out. That's what I said <laughs> in my head. Is like because before this season even started. James, I think one episode we were like, will Zeb show up? And I was like, I don't know. I don't think so. They'll probably save that, that for Ahsoka. That was and our were, bold predictions. That was and John's. You were, yeah. And you guys were talking about it. And I was like, I don't know, guys. Like, they might save that. But here he is. Here he is. And I love that. I forgot about, about. Yeah, I love that about <laughs> Filoni. I, I used it as a short, even. Yeah. Um, yeah Where I, Filoni I, I, has just been, like, taking these characters and kind of taking the expectations out of them in like the best way because mm -hmm. he's saying here are those characters you love and it doesn't have to be a luke skywalker beating all the droids to get up to the big reveal blast doors opening exactly it could literally be someone coming up being like hey man what are you drinking cool see you later and walk away and you're like what did i what did i just witness yeah mm-hmm yeah, that's a good spot. I think it's been a good week if you're a Macquarie fan as well, because seeing Zeb is basically right, like right. seeing the early version of Chewie and yes. seeing Monty McClaza with all those sort of the, the big light buildings, you know, the very Macquarie looking thing. So they've, that's that's been a nice nod as well. But Lacey's right, you know, it was cool that he just kind of, he was just there. He just happened to be at the bar having a drink and, and along comes Carson and they have a bit of an exchange and it was very natural and, and also nice that the other side of the bar was Filoni, literally in his hat. Uh, but but just to have these moments, yeah, you don't need to throw them into an amazing action sequence. You know, if we do see, I mean, we've got Dial of Destiny coming up in a couple of months. It's really coming up fast. And there's yeah. a 50-year-old Harrison Ford. And, you know, if they wanted to throw a Han Solo cameo into this, you'd have, a let's say, a 40-year-old Harrison Ford playing right. Han a few years after he was in, in Jedi. Uh, and... And if he turns up in anything other than a cool asteroid type chase, I'd be like, oh, I want to see Han, I want to see Han Solo. You know, they can yeah. do it. Let's have a cool Han Solo. But by the same token, if Han Solo's just sitting in a booth shooting a Rodian, I'd be equally happy as long as he shoots. Exactly. Him. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't have to be the greatest hits always to, yeah. to enrich yeah. our experience. The, the the Zeb thing blew my mind. It was it was incredible to see him come around the corner and to hear him talk. At, like you guys have said, he looks so good. But like I think we're even understating that. Like there's something about the fact that 
I, I don't know what I'm looking at to the degree of like, at times I was like, is this a full CG character? I bet it is, but they might be doing that tricky thing where they're grounding um, you with like a full, like an, uh, a tangible body and then they're replacing head and arms, um, you know, or potentially even just the head, but there's there was motion in there there's like one specific scene where he like puts his head down and he like turns it over to carson i was like i just kept going back and re-watching it i was like how did they get it is not a mask real it is definitely cg no no no. i yeah. got that i'm not saying it's a mask i'm saying yeah. they they used the, the a body a physical mm-hmm. body they were pla- they could replace the head replace the arms and that or dude is big also whoever it is CG. that no. dude is big um but I'm like, how do they make this so believable? This looks so good. But it also raised so many questions. I'm like, why is Zeb in the New Republic right now? This is, um, you know, what would it say, like nine or 10 years after what I understood him to go like outside of the galaxy to where his people were recreating and building their society and stuff. And I'm like, if he's left, that also makes me think maybe Callus has left too. Um, so he now becomes an option as well. Uh, People were talking that, about that in the chat too. That's a great that point. Maybe have moved back into the society. I could see Callus being like, no, I'm done. I'm done. You know, and if I go back, then people are going to question my loyalty. Whereas Zeb was always with the rebellion. So he's cool. Um, but I found it really interesting that he's currently like, just an officer of the new Republic. I'm like, that's interesting. How did he, Mark, you mentioned this earlier way in the episode. How did he get from here to here? Um, and that is just perfect placement of him coming in. And I, I can say this too. I never like, I know we got Ahsoka. She's technically in rebels, but she's also like clone Wars. She's a bigger character than this. I would have not thought that this is basically the first, we got chopper too, but this is basically the first rebels crew member. Like, I would have expected it to be Sabine. I would have expected it potentially to be Hera. There's probably not going to be Ezra or Thrawn, but it could have been. Mm-hmm. But it's Zeb. They, they did Zeb. I'm like, what? That's wild to me. What a choice. Perfect execution. It was awesome. I also have to note that the other half of that, you know, scene partner, Paul was amazing. Carson Tabo oh, yes. was yes. so good this episode. We really haven't spoken about it. Just yeah, like how right. good he was and like how awesome his character is and how righteous he is and what's, you know, what needs to be done. And it's showing yeah. once again that the New Republic is just totally incompetent with what's going on. They're in yeah. over their heads. And I'm sitting there going, give him the Ranger show. Give it to him. He wants to do it. We want to watch it give it mm-hmm. to him like a detective show where he goes around the galaxy and solves these crimes that the the rangers aren't are the republic's not getting involved in like that's an awesome show it yeah. just strikes yeah. me I just, I just wonder what the rangers as a concept feels a little bit to me splintering off from the republic a bit like right the, case the resistance splinters off because there's so much inaction nobody's doing anything that lays like we've got to do something so so that comes about and i just wonder in this time period when you see the bureaucracy and just the inaction and just how easily distracted they are, stick a box of biscuits in front of them, they'd be completely blown away. You he know? becomes yeah. kind of like a Batman character where he's like going yeah. off and doing and helping people because the Republic won't step in. He's like yeah. a vigilante kind of. Yeah. I love that idea. 
This was my pitch for a Star Wars show. Post post episode nine, do a Scooby Doo show. Get all get all the peripheral <laughs> characters in the Falcon and just go and off solving mysteries. Yeah, I love it. With, you could do that with these guys in this era. It's totally there. Paul, to be done. Paul is so good. He's so good. He's, he's a great so actor good. for sure. He carried yes. the episode from an acting perspective. In my yeah. in R five, where R he's like someone tipped me off, and he comes wheeling out like doo, 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 doo. yeah. We're definitely getting. We're definitely getting just, to that point too, where we have a lot mm-hmm. of these characters that could show up in that Rangers. I mean, they'll, they'll probably never bring back Cara Dune, but that you know was someone that was set up for that. Bill um, Burr, and then Bill, Bill Burr's character. Now we oh. also have Steve Bloom, uh, Zeb, uh, who could potentially be one of these people as well. I don't think they would do the the three directors, but they could make appearances here and there. Carson Tava uh, potentially leading the show, and don't also forget um, Timothy Oliphant as well. He is probably holding down uh, Tatooine. Uh, that's probably what they're leading in. But as far as just a general lawman, uh, you know, that would be fighting for good and potentially the New Republic, then, you know, that's another character that when you say Rangers of the New Republic, it's like, give him a badge. He holds down Tatooine, but he's a, he's a Ranger nonetheless, you know, or whatever. Yeah, and if you listen carefully when he's leaving the – Mandalorian cave and getting back into his X-Wing, they once again play the March of the Resistance theme. Right, right. So yeah. there's going to be connections between what this evolves into. I'm not saying they're going to go out in a blaze of glory or anything, but they're, like you said, Mark, it's the same sort of analogy or setup. And this is sort of maybe the blueprint of what becomes the Resistance uh, a couple decades later. So it is very interesting. They keep using that March of the Resistance theme uh, to let us know, like, this is sort of going to be weaving in. Because they used, I believe they also used that in Solo when yeah. uh, uh, Emphis Ness was talking about a rebellion, you know? So it's it's a real thing, and I am like I like that they pepper that in. And, and uh, it looks like we're going to be enriching our path to the sequel trilogy on both ends of the side, the dark side with the cloning and Palpatine, and also the Resistance and what the Adelphi Rangers become and what that evolves into. So... Uh, I still want I that agree. Rancor patch. Still want yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know how much more he's going to be in this series, um, but uh, Paul Sun Young Lee deserves uh, a nomination, if anything, because his acting is is definitely top shelf. I without question in in this episode, he was a clear standout, and that goes a long way, especially in Star Wars. You know, Star Wars they they make the joke that you can write this stuff, but you can't say it, George, and uh, <laughs> he's doing a good job of saying it. Um, but, um, so I know we're up on time, Mark, you've been, uh, a trooper for us and, and guesting on with us. We want you to be able to go back and get some sleep. So I'll just ask you a quick question. Uh, do you think we see Moff Gideon next week? Um, if I say yes, then you won't see him because every, every time I've guessed at something, it's not, it's not happened. You know, I think, I think a lot of us at the top end, top end of the season or the start of the season thought, oh, this whole season is going to be about. Uh, didn't get into Mandalore and bathing in the living waters and how does he get there and how does he do it and what does he face and it's done by the second episode yeah you know, they did and, it very quickly <laughs> yeah you know they fell in too this... it wasn't just a big build-up he literally fell yeah oh, well that's yeah exactly yeah you know and then you build up to this pirate character and and he's oh we're going to come back to the you know the, the cabbage guy and 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 then you see him in the next episode and now he's been you know toast as far as we guess so I, I i don't know i mean now it's it seems that the next plot point will be bo katan going out and finding more mandalorians as well as we spitballed mm-hmm. ideas today she probably knows exactly where they are 
she's probably got them on speed dial, you know. So how that's going to play out? Oh, okay, is my prediction on rabbiting like I always do. I think next next episode's focal character will be Bo-Katan. I think we're going to be following her on a mission. Whether she's got Mando with her or not, I don't know. I, my head tells me no, but I will I think, say Bo-Katan. I think that's a great point because I believe it was Bryce Dallas Howard that directed the live-action introduction of Bo-Katan. So that yeah. would be a comfort zone for both. Um, so James Lacey, do you think any Moff Gideon or are we putting him off to even later? Off think- Gideon. <laughs> Oh God, stop. Mark, I think you make a good point there. Uh, going what off what John just said, it would be really perfect if Bryce was directing an episode for Bo-Katan. You know, a woman director with a woman-led episode would be like so powerful. Um, it is interesting though to note, and this might've been a, a mess up by Katie Sackhoff. She did give an interview where they asked her, what's your favorite episode? And she said five which was this one. So if she has a bigger episode, you would think she'd choose that, but maybe she just liked this one because of the reveal fan, and, right? and yeah. yeah, as a fan. Um, so I just had to think that, but I do agree with you, Mark. I think the next episode is going to probably focus on her. I think the Mandalorian will go with her. And I think he's mm. going to grapple with the, there's going to be a kind of, so she let you take your, your helmet off. Like there has to be something. <laughs> how there, does your hair look so good? <laughs> there has to be a moment of like, how did this happen? Like, because he went through, so, she rejected him twice. Like, yeah. you're a Mandalorian no more. Like all that stuff. <laughs> and then totally was just Ooh. like, yeah, it was totally just like, no, you can take it off. Totally cool. We're cool. We're cool. Cool, cool. And and then, yeah, no, it's so weird. And even Paz Vizsla was like, yo, what the f- what mm. <laughs> um mm. so i agree with you mark i yeah. think the next episode is going to be focused on her and like figuring out what's going on relationships are going to be tested a little bit uh and uh yeah grappling my, with who is the leader yeah my my predictions uh first off about that helmet thing is like i think dinjarin and paz Vizla both were born into that so I think they hear that and they go, oh, didn't know that. But I don't think they're so much like envious of that. Like, oh, what? Like you can take your helmet off. I think it's like, oh, yes, she was born into a different sector, you know, section of what we believe or whatever. Now she's accepted this. But yeah, that's not really her or her whole childhood and all that um, upbringing. But what I I'm gonna go I'm gonna go opposite you guys I'm gonna say that the next episode will not focus on Bo-Katan because what I think could happen is unless my predictions all all lead to one major thing but I think there's a chance that she goes off now we get you know characters with Mando or whatever we do we do whatever episode next week or maybe even episode seven as well and then when she returns she returns with a bunch of Mandalorians like she like this is her going away so that we get a couple episodes without her and then when she returns we're like oh shoot that's right she like she left and this is what she's been doing that time and i think two weeks off from that character or just a week maybe is enough for us to go um how well how long has she been gone what's she been doing in the past but if she we go right back to see what she's doing it doesn't uh reveal yeah. anything it doesn't it, she doesn't yeah. walk over the mountain with like a soul right. you know a group of people so she's not gonna say, Lando, Lando oh. going to get the resistance fleet at the end of nine isn't oh it? i was gonna yeah, say right. gandalf coming yeah. over at the two towers over the hill with all the <laughs> right there, there yeah. you go yeah I, I, it's bad batch this morning i made a, a lord of the rings reference as well 
um, uh, something yeah. similar to that. But I just, um, I don't know. I think, uh, uh, oh, I was going to say that this episode, the very next episode leads right into celebration. So I don't, I don't know that that has any tie to it, but it's the episode that people are going to be most recently talking about before they yeah. go to celebration. So maybe there's something cool there. But yeah, I, wish I think they were it's doing hard screening to... at celebration, but I get why mm. because we'll be there two days later. Yeah. But Disney yeah. has enough problems going on with Disney Plus that I I think scheduling a certain episode to land around celebration <laughs> was not on the list to check off. Um, but it is a big episode because then you have two more to go, and seven is fo- co-written by Filoni, so you got to assume that's when more Rebels characters come in. And eight, seven, and eight are both directed by Rick Famuyiwa, who's executive producer. So I almost feel like that's going to be like this, like two-headed finale sort of thing. Sabina's so showing up; she's so. So I feel like I feel like this episode needs to. This next episode really needs to answer some questions about Mandalorian as a show itself, as we do the transition into Ahsoka with the the finale and stuff. So it's going to be a big episode either way, and I think they had the right person in the chair. Uh, I never, you know, who would have said that four years ago when it's like. Bryce Dallas Howard's doing her first directing ever and it's in the Mandalorian and we're like ooh I don't know and now you know especially after that book of Boba Fett episode she did everyone's like more Bryce Dallas Howard please and we feel confident going into it so I'm very excited about the momentum from this great episode heading into next week so and we'll all be at celebration together Mark talking about it so you you've you've come over here so many times it's time for us to play an away game and head on your turf (laughs) next week so very excited to see you I'm very excited to see everybody at Celebration. And, of course, if you're not going to Celebration, we will make sure we're doing the best we can to cover that for you. Uh, And, of course, if you are going to Celebration, check out our live podcast Sunday, April 9th at 11 a.m. in the Holonet News Stage Room 17. Uh, Come on by Easter Sunday and come hang out with us. Um, All right. So before we get out of here, first, Mark, I want to thank you again very, very much for taking the time. I know it's late over there. So, so thank you. And uh, make sure everybody's checking out Fanta tracks, uh, the podcast, making tracks, uh, whatever Mark's writing on star Wars insider, star Wars.com, all that stuff. And of course, prefix underscore timing. He's a big troublemaker on Twitter, a huge troublemaker. So make sure you follow him over there. Uh, (laughs) Just, just a loud mouth. On Thank Twitter. <laughs> um, but no, Mark, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. No, it's always fun to come and talk to you guys. So, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't matter what time of the day. It's all good. <laughs> thanks, buddy. Um, all right. And then as far as as far as far we go, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey and my movie podcast, Just Like the Movies. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, Airheads next in honor of Academy Award winner Brendan Fraser. Uh, Lacey, how about you? People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillerin on TikTok and at it's Lacey Gillerin. And then also you can see all three of us. Sorry, Mark, he's going back to bed, but the three of us on Patreon right after this for an exclusive Spice Run chat with one of our Spice Runners, David Probus, who's also in the chat. So yeah, come and join us on Patreon right after this. Yes. Uh, and James, how about you, buddy? Uh, Twitter and Instagram, both at Myra Trunks. All right. Uh, We'll be back next week to discuss Chapter 22 of The Mandalorian from London. So we're probably going to try to do some sort of abridged Mando fan show. We'll get you your next Mando code and uh, we'll do some sort of reaction and video uh, of us, three of us together talking about this. And if someone that we know is around us, we may pull them right into the mix and have them talk about it too. Uh, But we want to thank everybody once again for joining us and from the four of us here at The Mando Fan Show. uh, We will see you around, kids. (laughs) 